Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast, probably. If you want to hear from pastors, professors, and everything in between, right, sure. And, you know, the occasional train talk. Right, right, yeah. Uh, have we got the podcast for you? Everyone, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Manol, and this is your co-host, Tiberius Juan. Just TJ. Still Tiberius. Um, yeah, and we have a very special guest with us this week, one of um, the authors of one of my favorite books, actually. So Donald Whitney's with us. And uh, I'll, I'll let him introduce himself a little bit more here in a second. Um, DJ, did you want to ask them to give us money and stuff? Uh, if you're listening, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, for as little as $3 a month, you can support what we do here and get access to extra content. And you can hear this early. We should start doing that. Yeah, they, they can hear this early. We just don't usually talk about that, but they can do But uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Emails at the whole church at gmail.com. And of course, any way you can communicate with us, we'll read your feedback on the podcast and we, we want as much feedback as we can just so we can do a better job in representing God's kingdom and what we do. Um, speaking of which, the last feedback we got was via text message from Dylan Matthews over in, uh, is, is he in Batesburg? Uh, He's in that area, around Columbia, South Carolina. He said, uh, great jobs on the Pete Enns episode. It was a good listen. I'm a fan of his work. I've been reading The Sin of Certainty, and it's a great book, which uh, I, I need to read. I haven't read that. I've been listening to his um, How the Bible Actually Works. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I say listening to. I do a lot of books on Audible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so we have Donald Whitney with us here. I've been talking about that most of the summer, trying to get him on, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, uh, Dr. Whitney, would you like to introduce yourself any? Yeah, I'm a professor of biblical spirituality at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, I'm author of uh, some books. And um, uh, most weekends I'm out traveling, speaking in churches. And so uh, we've got 24 years of pastoral ministry, 15 of those uh, full time in one church, and uh, that's about it. Father of uh, a married daughter, grandfather of two, and uh, my wife Kathy. Awesome. Awesome stuff. So uh, we, we do like to start the show off with a icebreaker. I think we were kind of questioning and just kind of goofing around. Uh, I think we had something really simple today, right? Yeah. Uh, we just wanted to ask what your favorite Christmas song is. And if it would make you feel better, give you time to think, we can go first. Okay. Uh, mine is actually Ave Maria. It's great. Why did I not know that? Never talk about it. My favorite Christmas song is his favorite Christmas story, which if you haven't heard, you should hear. It's a really good uh, love story. I listen to it year round. So. <laughs> yeah, I actually listened to Ave Maria yesterday. <laughs> nice. Right, uh, Dr. Whitney, do you have a favorite Christmas song? Well, uh, Christmas Carol, of, you know, Christian would be Joy of World. And then uh, outside of that would probably be... Um, um, Sleigh Ride. Ooh, nice. That is fun. Reliant K has a version of that that I really like. Yeah. Good answers. Awesome. Okay. Um, so then we'll just jump right into the, the big questions. Um, so, so first off, I, I know, like you said, yeah, you were a professor of spiritual disciplines. Uh, I have two books of yours sitting right here, both about spiritual disciplines. Um, what's, uh, what started your passion about uh, the disciplines like that? Well, I had never been asked that really until uh, 
three or four years ago. Since then, strangely, I've been asked this several times, but uh, I would have to bit of a story, and then I trace it back to my dad, who is a daily Bible reader, and my local church uh, growing up. And at the time, uh, in some of that context, we used these uh, offering envelopes that had this eight-point record system on there, and everybody in the church, even the children, had a box of envelopes, and you turned one in every Sunday, and hopefully with an offering in it. But you put on there whether you're coming to church, you know, stand for worship, whether you uh, had uh, brought your Bible to church, whether you read your Sunday school lesson. Uh, that's eight different things there. But one of them was you read your Bible every day. And so then in my Sunday school class, all my growing up years, uh, usually a couple of different men throughout my years alternated teaching that class. And every Sunday, they'd say at the beginning, okay, how many of you boys read your Bible every day? Raise our hands. Yes, sir. And so I knew everybody in the church was being asked that every Sunday. It was just the air we breathed. And we we had something in those days called a Sunday school quarterly. Um, every three months, uh, we got this literature, so that's why it was called a quarterly. And in the back inside cover was the uh, Bible readings for every day for that quarter. And so you know, I read those. And, um, you know, I, I'm told when I was about four, something like that. And so I literally do not remember not reading the Bible every day. Wow. Uh, so, and so I grew up in that context. Then when I went to college, the first uh, Christian bookstore I ever went to, I bought a book on prayer and read that. And then in seminary, the, uh, and before that, just practical conferences on prayer and so forth were the ones that interested me the most. Then in seminary, the, our spirituality class there really uh, was one of my favorites. And then I just always kind of been bent toward the, the practical in the sense of, okay, uh, how do you actually do this in daily life? And uh, books influenced me, and then so we kind of ended up with spiritualismus in the Christian life, and uh, so here we are. Oh, wow. So you've just been reading... I saw you were 65, is that correct? That's correct. Right. So you've been reading the Bible every day longer than both of us have been alive combined. Well, I suppose that's true. I don't know how old That is pretty crazy. Well, yeah. he's 27, I'm 20, so that's, that's crazy. That is, that's, that's pretty crazy. So it's not, and then, you know, just, just to clarify for everybody, we talk about the practical, but that's not, you know, we check these things off, and that is your salvation. That's just a practical way to live out something that's already transformed in you, right? Is that, is that how you would word that? Right. I mean, the Spirit of God gives us an affinity for the things of God and those things by which we experience God. So he gives us a love for the Bible. And so just because we, we love God and love, love his word, we're drawn to it. And so, um, you know, we don't read it in order to be saved. We read it to feed our souls and to, to experience God. and uh, you know, to be guided by. Yeah. yeah. See, I like the food analogies because it's like, uh, I don't eat lunch just so I can check off. All right. That's how I know I'm human. I ate today. You know, it's, I'm human and thus I need to eat. So I do that. Yeah. All right. So, um, did, what's, uh, the next question we had actually was, um, when we talk about the disciplines, I know, you know, reading your books and especially when you're reading the book, you know, you're sitting down, it's just you and the book. So a lot of the stuff, uh, you have very practical books. It's when I try and talk to people, it's not just like you're sitting reading a book. It's 
you're going through these exercises basically. And, um, so whenever I sit down with it, it, it's very much, you know, an individual thing because it's not like I'm reading with multiple people. So, uh, but I, I do wonder with the disciplines, are disciplines more just for your individual? Like, is it for me or it, can they be for a community? Well, there are both in the Bible. Uh, there are what we call the personal spiritual disciplines, those that we practice alone. And then there are those interpersonal spiritual disciplines uh, that we practice uh, with other people. So, for example, the Bible teaches we're to pray alone. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your inner room, um, you know, close the door, and your Father who sees the secret will hear you. But the Bible also teaches us to pray with the church. So uh, one's a personal spiritual discipline, the other is an interpersonal, a corporate, a congregational spiritual discipline. We're to get into the Word of God all by ourselves, but we're also to hear it preached and read and taught with the church. And so the Bible teaches both. I could demonstrate how Jesus practiced both. And even though each of us is inclined a little more one way or the other, uh, there are the disciplines we practice alone with God and the disciplines we practice together with other believers. And we should, as followers of Christ, do both, correct? That's right. Would you say one's more important than the other? Uh, no. Uh, uh, I would say we're all probably inclined a little more one way or the other. Some of us like to be alone. We're energized more by being alone. We, um, you know, the people that say, I get more out of my personal devotional life than I ever do at church, and I don't need that. Uh, you know, I, I'd be happy to take my personal spiritual disciplines and go off somewhere and be an evangelical monk and evangelical nun, and I don't need that ungodly half committed myself to church. They want to slow me down anyway. Well, that's, uh, then, that's pretty specific. The people who are at the church every time the doors are open tend to think, you know, if I'm here all the time and if I profit from this as I do, I, I'm, I'm sure at the end of it all, this will compensate for the lack of a personal devotional life. These are the people who don't like to be alone. They're energized more by people. And all of us, uh, each of us is somewhere along that, that you know, continuum. But wherever we are, we all need to practice both the personal and the interpersonal because the Bible teaches both. And uh, Jesus, who is our example of walking with God, uh, he's much more than that, but he's not less than that. Uh, he practiced both personal and interpersonal spiritual disciplines. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned prayer. I um, I, I mentioned this, this book a lot, Praying the Bible is one of yours. And I know... um. It's one that I think really changed my prayer life. And it's funny because you, you talk about it in there, how a lot of people will go from like five, ten minutes of prayer to all of a sudden being able to sit down for like 30 minutes, an hour. And it's it, I, I experienced that a lot. And I know, um, I think it was the second appendix, you talk about praying the Bible as a group. So, um, could you elaborate on what, what that would look like? Praying the Bible as a group? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I listen to the book three possible ways of doing that. But the way I like to do it is if I'm leading the, the, the meeting, I will, uh, um, you know, perhaps we've taken prayer requests, maybe not, but if I've already done that, and then I will just uh, call, I'll maybe read an entire psalm, and then I will say, let's pray, and then I'll just call that the first phrase that I want, uh, that I think is conducive to prayer. And I say, the Lord is my shepherd. And see who picks up on that. And someone prays that God would shepherd a certain person to find a job. And someone else prays that God would shepherd a certain person through surgery tomorrow. And another person prays that God would shepherd them in the decision that's got to be made. Or the church has the decision that has to be made. 
then when it's quiet, I will have uh, read the next phrase that uh, I think anybody could understand, anybody could pray from, and so it might be, I shall not want. And then some person prays for a person, someone in their church who is in want, perhaps, or, you know, having financial difficulty, or they pray for uh, maybe a disaster somewhere that's happened, and they know that people would be in want, or maybe persecuted Christians somewhere. And then when it's quiet, I find another phrase in that same passage that, uh, you know, I don't have to explain. Anybody can understand it. Anybody could pretty much develop something to pray about, and and I'll throw that phrase out there you know, whenever it gets quiet. You know, so that's that's what it looks like. But that's certainly not the only way it can be done. Yeah. yeah. Okay then. Um, that's good answers. With um, with you know, not 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 just with that, but I know um, you also talk a lot about Bible intake in your spiritual disciplines book and. You you make it pretty clear that uh, how we read the Bible and how we pray the Bible are, are two different things. You know, when we're praying the Bible, we're not necessarily looking for correct inter- interpretation, right? Right. When we're praying the Bible, I'm not saying we disregard it, but I mean, yeah. that's not. We just pray about what comes to mind, what what the text prompts, and argue that in the long run, people who do that are going to pray more in conformity with the text than people who pray without the Bible. Yeah. So there's a time for that, and there's also the time for making sure you're doing due diligence to study and correctly interpret and kind of do the intellectual work as well, right? Well, in, in just about every other kind of coming to the Bible I can think of, yeah. just your own reading it, you're studying it, you're preparing to preach or teach it. Our first priority is what does it say and what does it mean? And we never have the right to read into the text what we want or to misuse it in any way. But when I'm talking about praying the Bible, that's not what we're doing. Our primary activity is prayer in this case, and we're praying while secondarily we glance down at the text every once in a while. And I'm just suggesting that what the text suggests is what you should uh, pray about, turn those words into the words of prayer. And if something comes to mind that has no connection with the text, well, in this case, it's okay because whatever comes to mind is something we ought to pray about anyway because the text tells us to pray about everything. So if I'm reading that psalm that says, Oh, Lord, if you should mark iniquities, who could stand? And a friend of mine named Mark comes to mind. Well, pray for Mark. You know, I know that verse isn't about Mark, but I'm not teaching that it's about Mark. It's just Mark came to mind when I saw that verb and I thought of my friend who's a noun named Mark. But uh, once again, I reiterate, people will pray that way. They're going to pray more in conformity to Scripture than they ever would praying without the Bible. All right. And uh, how would that bring us closer together if we started doing this in our churches and just small groups? Well, for one thing, you wouldn't say the same old things about the same old things. Each of us probably has people in our background, in our church, that when they're called on to pray, you could give their prayer. You've heard it so many times. Right? <laughs> they drop dead in the middle of their prayer, eight other people stand up and pray. <laughs> and, you know, the, it's, you know, the same phrases over and over. Lead God and direct us, bless the gift and the giver, hide the pastor on the show of the cross. And maybe it's the same prayer prayed last week, just a different name in the slot for healing or something. And, um, um, when you pray the Bible, it, you don't say the same old things all the time. 
So that's that's one thing. I, it, it, I think it's it tends to be fresh. It tends to be more biblical. I think it tends to be more authentic and not just rehearsed prayers. Now, do you think? I mean, you know, outside of just praying the Bible together, the personal disciplines, like as a whole, do you think practicing them could also cause us to be closer together in unity? Uh, yes. Um, if you, you know, in a context where you share what you've experienced in meditating on scripture or while practicing one of the spiritual disciplines that, uh, you know, can encourage other people or uh, they identify with you, uh, you know, someone else is, is discouraged and you've really been encouraged in your time in the word of God to share that with others. Uh, unifies the church, even though it's the fruit of your own personal spiritualism. Well, yeah, I know. Um, mm-hmm. even the very first episode, we were talking to my pastor, Pastor Gary Atkins, and that that was one of the big things he said. As as we all get closer to Jesus, we do get closer to one another. So that's that, I think that's really important when we think about the disciplines. It's, the goal is always to get closer to God. So yeah, um. So actually, uh, ne- next thing I wanted to do, we do we do kind of like a segment. It's a speed round where I was just going to ask you, usually we ask a bunch of different questions and see if the person can answer in just one sentence or less. Um, I wanted to go through all, all the disciplines in your book, the uh, spiritual disciplines for the Christian life, and just see if in a sentence you think you could tell us how that affects the unity of the church. And if not, you could just say pass on each one as well. Okay. Do you think um, we do that? Uh, All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just like for fun thing. So uh, the first one listed here would be Bible intake. How does that affect the unity in the church? How can it affect the unity of the church? That's a better way to phrase that. Well, unity is going to be developed through. Uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Take a drink of water here to edit this. No worries. We can do. Uh, I mean, unity, truth is the basis of unity, the title of one of Martin Lloyd-Jones' books. So truth is the basis of unity. Therefore, uh, people who are not in unity over the word of God are not going to be in unity with each other. Nice. Very good. Right now, you kind of already answered this, but uh, how, how does prayer affect unity in church? Well, people who pray together tend to draw closer together. People who don't pray together, that, that affects uh, their unity in a negative way. Man, I feel like that one was almost too easy. All right, uh, this one too. <laughs> How does worship be the next one? The closer people draw to God, the closer they draw together to each other. Like like climbing up a pyramid. You may be on one side, I'm on another. The closer we get to the top, the closer we get together. Nice. Okay. Uh, this, this next one might be a little bit more of a challenge. How does the discipline of evangelism help us with church unity? It's unifying to the church when we see people born again, brought into the church. But as I write about in spiritual discipline within the church, I think a forgotten element is, is corporate evangelism. Uh, in other words, uh, when you witness as a group, and different um, different gifts are used, so forth. Um, it's, it's more in a small group setting, but uh, 
that can draw a group together when together they realize each has contributed part and leads to someone's conversion. Um, all right, serving would be next. Serving each other, I think, inherently develops unity. It, it brings back humility on both sides. And uh, serving is kind of a, a, a glue that uh, when I serve you, I'm helping you, I'm edifying you, I'm, I'm encouraging you. That that brings us closer together. All right, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So just um, like in marriage, you know, each must serve the other. When they do, that strengthens the marriage. Right. All right. Um, stewardship. Giving to a common cause. And unify, uh, especially if, if that's emphasized and magnified. That you know what we're all doing today is we give, is we're 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 supporting these missionaries. That we are giving toward this building, this building we're all going to be worshiping in. We're giving toward uh, this particular need. So uh, that when we're giving to a common cause and sense that that unifies the church. All right, and then uh, the next one. I think there's a lot of examples in the Bible for this, actually. It's uh, fasting. How can fasting bring this better together? Well, in, in uh, Acts in particular, the church is worshiping and fasting, and the Lord uses that experience to call out missionaries. Uh, in spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, I teach the most important thing about fasting is to fast for a biblical purpose. Hmm. People often forget that. It's just a, you know, a, a, an endurance contest. And so, if uh, if you have, often people fast just individually, but to have a corporate fast, so that everyone is fasting for the same purpose, that they pray for missions, to pray for an offering, they're fasting to seek God's blessing on the church, to seek God's, uh, to seek revival, uh, to seek someone's conversion. Uh, we're all fasting together toward that end. That's certainly a unified. So, uh, the next two, you, you kind of you do them together in, in the book, so uh, I'll, I'll include them together here. Is uh, silence and solitude. I'm not sure how that unifies, it, only in the sense that it should deepen my own personal Christ likeness if it's a biblically centered, you know, yeah. time silence and solitude, uh, and my deepening Christ likeness should unify me with church. I think in, in practice in a local church, uh, many churches have a time of silence and prayer, and and perhaps they're all instructed to pray about the same thing. Uh, that can unify. See, I thought solitude would be a little harder. You got that one. That's a little tricky. Yeah. All right. Um, so we got we got two more. Uh, journaling. That that's an interesting one, I guess. Actually. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean that that's something that is. Uh, by definition, is always going to be a personal spiritual discipline. You don't journal with other people. Uh, but only in the sense that it develops my own personal Christ-likeness, and that should contribute to unity in the church. Um, that's the only way I can see that one. I'm not supposed to be allowed to do follow-up questions, but I'm going to break my own rule real quick. Uh, would a prayer journal count as journal? Is that two different things? Yeah, yeah I mean, I guess... there, there's no official journaling. And in the chapter... Spiritual disciplines, I say, you know, basically it's whatever edifies you. Some people, all you know, all they do is write their prayers. Well, I almost never do that. Uh, yeah. Some people, you know, record events and 
then there are kind of reflections on them, especially biblical reflections. And uh, for most people, it kind of morphs over time. But I just say to people, whatever you know edifies you, there's no official way to do it. So then, um, yeah, I was just thinking, because I have like a prayer journal, just a bunch of different people's names, but uh, anyway. Um, and then the last one then is just learning. Yeah, learning together should unify in the sense that we're learning biblical truth, we're learning how to do the same thing together, and just as some maybe people in, in a given church listening to this right now, all being instructed in the same way, they all start deciding to do something together or, or you know, do it in the same way and that can lead to you. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, that, that would wrap it up for the speed round then. Um, I, I know you got to get going. So uh, bef before we do our outro, we had um, just just two quick things we like to do before we end. Uh, if you have the time to hang in there with us. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, first, we like to share our God moment of the week. And that's just... Mm -hmm. um, Anything, you know, God's spoken to us or challenged us with or, you know, just a blessing we got in the last week. We like to share, kind of keep our audience updated on what's going on in our lives. And also, I think it helps us all just kind of look for God in the everyday. So that's something it's, it's helped us a lot, I feel like. So um, we, we can start if you'd like. And then uh, just something God's done this week, DJ. You got anything? Uh, I used I your real you, name. I think you should go first. I should go first. Yeah. It's like a, a God moment sandwich. We do a good one, then an okay one, and then another good one. Weirdly enough, I'm recycling a God moment. Yeah. Okay. I was uh, my grandma wanted to listen to because she never could find the uh, the episode we were on with Pastors of a Dying Church that their podcast. So I, I found that episode, and um, it reminded me when I was talking about architecture and that God moment I had, and it's like I relived the God moment, and I was like, oh yeah. That was really cool. Just just rethinking about how God used that church and all the different people who built it were all thinking of different ways to point up whoever made the stained glass, you know, telling the stories and thinking about the details again in that same way. And then being reminded that even things God's already done for me can still be made new. So it was, it was just interesting. It was a good moment. All right. Um, I think my God moment of the week is not about me at all really right uh, my sister went to moved into college this I saw that. two three days ago it was sometime this week it was wednesday <laughs> okay it, joshua says it was wednesday but uh she moved into college she's going to spartanburg methodist college i'm uh, very proud of her that she's going to be continuing her education in a godly environment yeah. Shout Just, out to Tiberius Jr. No, yeah, no, TJ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and, uh, Dr. Whitney, did uh, you have a God moment of the week you'd like to share? Well, just a few days ago, um, Tuesday, so that'd be three days ago, had an opportunity, an expected opportunity to share the gospel with someone, uh, two people actually, at, at great length. And there were some surprising things in that, and I sensed the Lord's help uh, in doing that. So uh, that that's the first thing that comes to mind. Praise God. That's awesome. That's good. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, we really appreciate your time, man. You're welcome. All right, it was great talking to you. Yeah, you too. All right. Have God bless. Time. Okay. Bye-bye.
All right, man. That was awesome talking to him. I really love his books. Um, yeah, praying the Bible. There's actually a chapter, near, like at the end of the chapter, where he says it like several times over. It's amusing where he's like, uh, so now what I want you to do is stop and actually do what we just talked about, where you're going to just read the Bible to yourself one verse at a time and just pray whatever pops to your head. And I was like, okay. And I'm just going to keep reading because, you know, that's usually what you do when a book tells you to do something, right? You just keep reading. Yeah. Yeah, but mm-hmm. then it, then the next sentence was, no, seriously, stop. And I was like, no, no, I mean it. Uh, you're going to be tempted to just keep reading because that's what you usually do. Don't do that this time. And I think the fact that I actually stopped because he said it three times and I did the exercise was the only reason that that book was anything more than just another book to me. But it was so funny because I did that. I was talking about this with my grandma just the other day, too. And I remember having gone through, I think it was First Corinthians 16. It was the psalm that David sings when the ark first makes it to Jerusalem. And I did that, and I prayed. I was like, okay, that was cool. And I started the next chapter, and he's like, yeah, so I bet you prayed longer than usual. I was like, oh, did I? And I looked up, and it had been three hours. And I was like, oh, I think my longest prayer time before then was probably ten minutes. Hmm. It's it's fantastic stuff. Uh, The disciplines, when you actually do them, make such a huge difference. Where I feel like just reading about them or knowing about them is just kind of whatever, but doing them is the big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being um, intentional. Yeah. Shout uh, out Chris Galloway. <laughs> I love that guy. And, and I loved our guest today. That was fun. Um, One thing that we didn't do, because he was kind of rushed on time, was talk about trains. Oh, we're still going to do the train talk. I'm still going to do the train talk. Yeah. Uh, so, what was it? Was it Monday? I have no idea. Sometime in the last week, a new TV show premiered that was a spinoff of the regular show on Cartoon Network called Infinity Train. Uh, it was not a spinoff. It was on the, it was it was on the regular show. What? Infinity Train started as a short in the regular show. Yeah, I did my research about trains. Anyway, they just now started the show. Apparently it's been kind of long awaited for. And, uh... What's interesting is, in an interview, he talked about how a lot of cartoons, a lot of kids' shows won't go there. He, he never clarifies what there is. He's like, you know, they don't want to talk about real subject, and we're going to really lean into the stuff that most shows don't want to talk about. I'm really interested to see what exactly he means by that, and also to watch a show about trains. Uh, the entire concept of the show is just, there's a train where each cabin is a completely, basically a different world, and it just goes on and on and on forever, and thus the term infinity train. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, another kid show. But the reason it intrigues me is Cartoon Network has kind of set the bar for leaning into subjects that most kid shows won't lean into, especially with Adventure Time. The last episode features two girls kissing. So uh, they have, they have some touchy subjects Cartoon Network's touched on, have done before. So I'm kind of like, what could he mean when he says, they're going to lean into the stuff that other cartoons won't talk about. Thoughts? Um, well, it's only 10 episodes. It's a miniseries. So uh, I plan to watch all 10 as soon as possible. Because the last two released today. Did August they really? 9th, yeah. We're going to watch that right after this podcast. Uh, we might let you all know next week what we thought about it. During the reflections. Oh, which, actually, yeah. If you signed up for Patreon. <laughs> Support us on Patreon to hear what we think about it. Yeah, there we go. All right, so that was Train Talk, and you we we gotta close out the show, I guess. Um, goodbye. That's it. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we we don't want to. Yes, we do. We, we we need you all to support us on Patreon. Yeah. So uh, we're please gonna tell you about it. Support us. Consider supporting us on Patreon at least. Helps uh, us uh, travel and afford software and hardware. And um, I, I think on average, I probably spend twenty hours a week, maybe maybe a little less than that, but probably about twenty hours a week doing this podcast. So we just spend a lot of time on it, and it it does take a lot of resource. So we would really appreciate everyone's support who is able. If you're not able, don't do it. We were actually planning on uh, recording this episode in Kentucky, in Louisville. Yeah, but we, we couldn't really afford to travel there and oh, other things know, came you up. You guys well. have been slacking, so we couldn't afford to go. <laughs> yeah, if more people are supporting us, no. That's not, <laughs> that, that's not the only reason. That's part of the reason. Um, Yeah, what else can they do? They can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Give us some ideas on how we can uh, better engage with you guys. We want to communicate as much as possible and kind of be more interactive so you guys have any ideas please let us know what they are i would like to say there is also the option for a one-time donation on patreon really yeah there is you told me about it oh so i I know some people aren't comfortable with subscribing to something that is a monthly payment that you can't really control that well but uh if we would rather give a one-time donation like uh my hand did one time uh, that'd be great too yeah, we, we, we appreciate literally we, anything. You know, we're people. We, we like money. <laughs> and, and we need it to do what we do. Um, also, yeah, uh, follow us on the Facebook and Instagram. Where, where else can they follow us? Oh, on uh, Spotify. It's Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. You probably listen to us on one of those. Uh, so you Stitcher. Just click the little follow button. We are on Stitcher. They're in the middle of a new revitalization campaign right now. So we'll uh, see how that goes. What else? We're on... We're on like oh. listen pod. We're we on don't free- know what that is. Everywhere podcasts are found yeah. is where you can find us. Follow us on all of them, not yeah. just one. <laughs> that way, you'll get like ten notifications when this episode comes yeah. out. Yeah, I get like four. <laughs> I think I do too. Oh man, um, so that was it. Uh, do you want to tell them if we have any future guests? I'm so used to saying Don Whitney. I, I don't know. Uh, who yeah, nope, right that's it. That's the end of our plans. Um, <laughs> uh, Judy Noel. We're doing Judy. Still with Judy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been in contact with people from Billy Graham Library, so I plan on having them soon. Sister Sylvia Staten's next week. We have Jeff White coming on soon. Becky Walker. We're recording with her again. Um, I'm trying to coordinate with the pastors of a dying church so we could do kind of a group event with them. So stay, stay tuned. We might tell you more about that later. Uh, Chris Pratt, of course. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to get Chris Pratt. It I don't might think happen. that'll happen. Support us more. It might happen. <laughs> I will tweet him every day. Um, yeah, and uh, doesn't something happen at the end of the season? At the end of the season? Yeah. Oh, you mean Francis Chan? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He, we'll he just doesn't Chan know about the end of the season. <laughs> he just hasn't. We, right. yeah, we, we haven't told him yet. Yeah. Thanks, All right, boys. thank you guys for listening.